Welcome, everyone, and those of you that are watching by live stream. Good to be with you again. Praise God. We have been all over the nation since I saw you last. Hallelujah. But we've had great meetings everywhere we've been. Looking forward to the Believers Convention this starting tomorrow. Praise God. Anybody planning on being in the Believers Convention? All right. Praise God. It'll be it'll be a powerful time in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Let me uh, just make this announcement before we get into the word this morning. Two brand new books that we've just published and uh, you will be the first to get them. Wow. Of course, they'll be on sale at the uh, Believers Convention. They just arrived in our office. One of them is entitled, Hey, That's the Favor of God. <laughs> You've heard me teach this many times in the past. The Lord taught me way back there, way back when I first came to Christ, that every time I experience the favor of God, stop and say out loud right then, hey, that's the favor of God. He said, if you'll do that, then it'll get your expectancy up and you'll see manifestations of it more and more and in greater ways. So we just put this in a little book. Hey, that's the favor of God. You can read it on your lunch hour, praise God. And then the prophetic word that we've been teaching all year about the open hand of God, and we've entitled it God's Word in Troubled Times. God's Word in Troubled Times. So these two books are in the uh, uh, book room, I guess you call it, <laughs> back there in the, right off the lobby. Bren, could you take those for me, please, sir? Thank you. Hallelujah. Abby, come up here and give Papa a hug. I hadn't seen you in a while. That's my granddaughter. <laughs> I love you. That's Dylan's wife. Hey, Dylan. I guess I better get a hug from you too. <laughs> Amen. Love you, buddy. <laughs> Hey, Bryn, give me a hug. I said I'm <laughs> hugging all the grandchildren. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anybody else want a hug? <laughs> you have to be a grandchild. <clears throat> Hallelujah. All right. Let's open our Bibles, first of all, this morning to Mark chapter 4. One of my favorite books in the Bible. One of my favorite chapters. <clears throat> And while you're turning there, let me uh, say thank you to all of you that gave Carol and I anniversary cards and gifts. We appreciate that so very much. Uh, We just celebrated our 56th year of marriage. Praise God. Hallelujah. And it's getting better and better all the time. Hallelujah. She's a keeper. I'm a keeper. I still tell her. From time to time, after all these years, you're still my girlfriend. Hallelujah. Amen. Y'all hush. It's getting too mushy around here. All right, Mark chapter 4. And I want to begin reading in verse 26. And he said, now obviously Jesus speaking here. And he said, so is the kingdom of God. 
I want to stop right there and and give you another translation of this. The NIV. This is what the kingdom of God is like. This is what the kingdom of God is like. Or in other words, this is how the kingdom of God operates. This is how the kingdom of God functions. Now, if you understand this, then the struggle with waiting on God for a manifestation will cease. Amen. A lot of people become impatient. A lot of people give up under pressure. But if you understand this principle, then you can withstand anything Satan throws your way. Because you know this is how the kingdom of God operates. Amen. So notice as we continue reading, as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, And the seed should spring and grow up, he knoweth not how. Now pay very close attention to verse 28. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of itself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. Now the Lord taught me way back when I first began studying the word. I I remember this is the sermon I heard Kenneth Copeland preach uh, one morning. In fact, he preached on it every morning back in the church that Carolyn grew up in, the church that I was now attending, Life Tabernacle in Shreveport, Louisiana. And he taught every morning on the sower sows the word. And I remember him making this statement that this is the granddaddy of all parables. If you understand this parable, you can understand all the parables. So that, that made a mark on me. So I determined that I'm going to study this parable and I'm, and I'm not going to rush into other things. I, I, I want to get this deeply rooted in my heart and get the principles in my heart. And once I did, then as I said, it took the struggle out of waiting for the manifestation or waiting for a promise to be fulfilled. And the Lord said to me, I want you to begin to refer to this as the law of progression. The law of progression. And notice three terms here. First, then, after that. First, then, and after that. Say it with me. First, then, and after that. Three stages of growth. Okay? That's the law of progression. Uh, let me let me back up and, and read some notes to you that I wrote just this morning. I uh, wrote this sermon out while I was in New York City the other day and uh, waiting to get here to preach it to you. The New Living Translation says, First a leaf blade pushes through, then the heads of wheat are formed, and finally the grain ripens. Another translation says, First the tender shoot, then the stalk, finally the ripened week. Three stages of growth. The law of progression. Obviously, to see this law work at its best requires patience, faith, and perseverance. 
Say those three things. Patience, faith, and perseverance. They are a must. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says, Let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, let us not grow weary in well-doing. In other words, don't stop doing what you've learned from the Word of God to do. Just because it looks as though nothing's happening. Don't grow weary. Look at your neighbor and say, don't grow weary. weary. Amen. Never despise gradual increase. Never despise gradual increase. I remember when I was a little boy, I was so small in stature. I was always called Little Jerry. I didn't like it at all. Every year, a new year in school, there was always a regular Jerry and then little Jerry. (laughs) If I raised my hand, what do you want, little Jerry? Little Jerry, little Jerry, little Jerry. And I came home one time crying because I went out for Little League Baseball at a young age when when I was old enough to start Little League. And after a couple of days of practice, the, the coach lined all us boys up and he said, now, if I lay my hand on your shoulder, you've made the team. If I pass you by, you didn't make the team. That's a cruel way to handle it, you know, but that's what he said. So we're all standing there and my best friend, Kenny Hennard, he and I were the same age, but Kenny stood head and shoulders taller than me. And, and my dad had played softball on the team uh, uh, a team that his company, uh, the Chevrolet dealership, had sponsored. And so I would practice baseball with my dad, getting ready for Little League. Okay? So finally it came the day to select the team. So he started down the line and he put his hand on one guy and he skipped the next guy and he, he touched the next couple of guys. Then it came Kenny's time. Kenny's standing there, and he put his hand on Kenny's shoulder. That meant, go stand behind coach, you made the team. He passed me by, and then he put his hand on the shoulder of the guy next to me. Now, I'm, I'm holding back the tears, because I wanted to play, oh. <laughs> I wanted to play baseball so bad. Not only that, I knew I could play as well as anybody else out there. Kenny and I played all the time together. And uh, he passed me by. So after that was all said and done, I walked up to him and I said, Why did you pass me by? I can play as well as anybody on this team. He said, Son, you're just too little. That is not what I wanted to hear. and, And my mom picked Kenny and I up to take us home. And I was sitting in the back seat. Kenny was up in the front. No, Kenny was in the back seat. I was up in the front next to my mother. Now, Kenny was always very outspoken. You never had to wonder what's on Kenny's mind. (laughs) So Kenny's sitting in the back seat. He said, did you tell your mama you didn't make the team because you're too little? I jumped over the front seat and bust him right in the mouth. (laughs) Mom opened the door to the car and we rolled out on the ground fighting. 
And we fought all the way to his house. And then I went in my house, went in the bedroom and got in the floor and, and shut the door and cried like a baby. Yeah, it, it hurt me that that coach told me I was too little. I cried and I cried and I cried until I couldn't cry anymore. And then I got up and I said, now I didn't know the power of words back then. I said, I will never cry again. Crying is a sign of weakness. It's a sign of being little. I will never cry again. And uh, a few weeks later, now, of course, I'm only, what, just 10, 11 years old. I didn't want to go to school the next day because I knew there'd be boys making fun of me because I didn't make the team. I said, Mom, I'm quitting school. She said, you're not quitting school. (laughs) And then my dad came home from work and dad came in the room where I was and, and he sat down beside me on the floor. He said, son, what's the matter? I said, dad, they, they told me I was too little to play baseball. I didn't know size had anything to do with it. I thought skill was what they were looking for. He said, well, son, they told me the same thing when I was your age. I said, dad, you've never been little like me. He said, yes, I was small like you. Dad, you've never been little like me. You were born big. (laughs) My dad, at that time, he was like this. His arms were huge. He had to slit his shirts to roll up the sleeves. His biceps were so big. I looked over to him. I said, you've never been little. And he said, son, don't worry about it. There'll be another opportunity. Well, he tried to make me feel better. And then he left the room. But it it didn't help at the moment. I was crushed. And so uh, a couple of weeks later, they, they, a man came to the school and said, some of you guys didn't make the team, uh, and, and we're starting another team. And if you didn't make the other team, come out and try out for our team. So I went out, and, uh, and Kenny decided he wasn't going to play on that other team if I couldn't play. So we both went out. We both made the team. Okay. Now... I was a left-handed pitcher, had a natural curve. My dad had practiced me every day. Even though I was little and I was short, I had a, I had a tremendous fastball and a natural curve. And we, we played the team I was too little to play for, played them in the championships, and we beat them and I was the pitcher. <laughs> later, later that, a few weeks later, that coach that told me I was too little came to our house and knocked on the door. My dad went to the door. I'm in my bedroom. And I heard him talking to somebody. And finally, my dad said, son, uh, come in here. Someone wants to see you. And uh, so I walked in there, and it was that coach. And he said, Jerry, I apologize. Uh, I was wrong, and I'd like for you to play for our team next year. I said, sir. I will never play for your team. I'm too little. And I walked off. <laughs> now, we didn't know to do this back then. And, and, and we didn't know to do this, you know. But my dad just picked me up like this and said, I'm proud of you, son. <laughs> and we beat them every year. Amen. We beat them every year. 
Dad kept telling me, just wait, son, you'll grow. Just wait. Now, I wanted, I wanted to grow overnight. Rand, did you ever hear this before? <laughs> I wanted to grow overnight. You know, I, I wanted to be bigger by next season. But it doesn't always happen that way. I know some folks, I mean, uh, uh, some kids, you know, they have a growing spurt, as they say. And maybe they'll, they'll, they'll grow uh, four or five inches during the summer before they start next year's school. I never did. I never did. Do you understand my story? I graduated high school weighing 99 pounds. The girls were bigger than me. I started college weighing 101, gained two pounds during the summer. Carolyn and I got married. I weighed 114 pounds, ringing wet. I went into the military weighing 114 pounds. I came out weighing 121. Them three squares a day was good on me, praise God. People made fun of me at our wedding. One man came up to her daddy and said, that kid's not even... Uh, dry behind the ears yet. And my father-in-law, he was little and he almost knocked him out. You know, he did. He didn't like that at all. And I, I wanted to, I wanted to experience one of those growing spurts, you know, but I never did. Now to appreciate the story. I'm telling you, I haven't always been the big hunk of a man I am today, you know, <laughs> but I'm her hunk. <laughs> Amen. I still got it at 75. <laughs> I can't pick her up and twirl it around like I used to, but she can pick me up and twirl me around. <laughs> so my point is never despise gradual increase. <laughs> Amen. Never despise gradual increase. The New American Standard Bible for Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not become discouraged. Let us not become discouraged. Determine that giving up is not an option. The NIV says, at the proper time. At the proper time. Now, the reason I I'm, feel I'm, the Lord is leading me to share this message with you is because some of you are still waiting for the manifestation of the open hand of God. How many of you are still waiting to experience that? All right. Now, we've been talking about it all year long. Here it is, July, and you have yet to experience it. That, that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. Get, get that out of your mind. There's nothing wrong with you. Amen. It doesn't all happen immediately. It's amazing that there are fewer scriptures in the Bible about instant manifestations. And if that's the way it worked, then Paul would have never had to write, and having done all to stand, stand. Let us not grow weary. Amen. So that means sometimes 
You have to be willing to be patient. You have to be willing to stay in faith. And you have to be willing to persevere. But God is always working behind the scenes. Always working behind the scenes. And at the proper time, it will come if you will not give up. Psalm 27, verse 13 and 14 says, I had fainted or I would have fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage. He will strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now that little word wait is a word that most Christians don't like. Sometimes we get tired of waiting. But it's part of the process. Amen. Being willing to wait. The message translation says, take heart, don't quit. Take heart, don't quit. Stay confident by knowing that God is working behind the scenes. Don't ever say again, nothing's working. Get that phrase out of your vocabulary. Something is working. You just can't see it yet. Amen. Job chapter 5, verse 9, the message translation says, After all, he's famous for great and unexpected acts. There's no end to his surprises. He's famous for great and unexpected acts, and there's no end to his surprises. I remember uh, back in about 1974, latter part of 74, I'm traveling all over the country. I'm driving a Ford station wagon. And uh, it, it got to the place to where I couldn't get to every place that I was invited to come driving a car. And I'm believing God for my first airplane. God had told me, as you heard me say before, that airplanes would be a part of my ministry, that I wouldn't be able to fulfill what I was called to do without them. And I'm waiting on my first airplane. And he told me, I don't want you flying airplanes with debt on them. Believe me for debt-free airplanes. Well, in the natural, that was impossible. I don't think I'd ever owned anything debt-free prior to that. We owed notes on everything, had notes on everything. And uh, so God's telling me to, to be patient and to believe him for a debt-free airplane. Now, airplanes are not cheap. And the maintenance on them are not cheap. And the parts on them are not cheap. Amen. Amen. And so um, owning an airplane is one thing, but keeping it up and keeping it safe is a whole nother deal. Okay. Sometimes you wind up spending over a period of time more on uh, upkeep maintenance and, and putting in the best technology than you paid for the airplane. So, Anyway, aviation is expensive. So I'm believing God. And uh, I prayed according to Mark, the 11th chapter. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. I said, Lord, I believe I'll receive my first debt-free airplane. And I know that there's no such thing as a harvest without sowing seed. And every seed produces after its own kind. At that time, I didn't know one, another person on the planet who knew how to believe God for debt-free airplanes. And that was Kenneth Copeland. While I worked for him as his associate minister, 
until the end of 1973, I watched him believe in three different airplanes. He would fly the one and outgrow it, give it away, believe for the next one, outgrow it, give it away, and believe for the next one. I watched that happen three times. So I know it works because I have an example. The Bible says, follow those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So I'm, I'm there when he, when he did it. I'm watching how he did it. I'm watching how he talked. I'm watching how he acted, how he conducted himself while he's waiting for the next one to manifest. Okay. <clears throat> so I knew to sow seed. And at that time, the only person I knew who knew how to believe for debt-free airplanes was Brother Copeland. So every time I'd get a little extra seed, I'd sow into his aviation department. Why? Because every seed produces after its own kind. If you believe in for a car, find somebody else believing for a car. Sow into it. Believing for a house, find somebody else believing for a house. Sow into it. Amen. Amen. You want apples, you plant apple seeds. You want oranges, you plant orange seeds. Are you still here? This is not rocket science. Amen. It's, it's, it's the law of Genesis. Okay. So I'm sowing seed. And then one day, uh, there was a couple that we knew. We had met them while I was preaching with Brother Copeland while I was still working for him. And when I announced to Brother Copeland that at the end of 1973, I was launching out into my own ministry, uh, this couple uh, eventually came to work for me as my office manager, he and his wife both. Now, I didn't know at the time, now what's what I'm doing here? First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. The law of progression. I didn't know at the time that this man had over 10,000 hours flying time and had previously owned airplanes. I didn't hire him as a pilot. I hired him to run my office. But come to find out, he was a qualified pilot and had 10,000 hours flying experience. When I heard that, I thought, the blade. There's my blade. Have you got it now? That was the blade. When I, when I heard that he had 10,000 hours flying time and was qualified to fly whatever I might get, I said, the blade's come up. The blade has come up. And then not too long after that, we were in Andrews, Texas, doing a meeting. And uh, a man walked in. I won't go into all the detail. A man walked in and uh, uh, just interrupted me while I was preaching and said, God told me that there's a, he called me Sonny Boy. There's a, there's a, a young preacher boy, Sonny Boy, uh, preaching in the laundromat in Andrews, Texas that needs an airplane. And God told me to bring you some money for an airplane. And he just went to digging into those bib overalls and poured money out at my feet and then turned around and walked out of the meeting. Now, it wasn't enough money to buy an airplane, but it was the first time anybody had given me any money toward an airplane. So I looked at that man as first the blade, then the ear. I got the blade up. In the ear. And then 
sometime later, the Lord said to me, do you really believe you received that debt-free airplane? I said, I do. He said, then why aren't you acting like it? I said, well, Lord, how does one act like he has an airplane? Get out on the runway? I mean, <clears throat> he said, faith without corresponding actions is void of power. I said, well, how do I act like I have an airplane? He said, it, uh, accept every invitation that's come into your office and book yourself so tight there's no way that you could get there in a car. You have to get there in an airplane. So the man who was working for me at the time who handled my scheduling, I told him, book, accept every invitation I got. Book me up so tight, there's no way I can get there in a car. And he did. And now, I got this schedule to keep. Now, you would have thought after I'd have done that, Zowie, the airplane would have showed up. <laughs> no. I'm still waiting. I'm still standing. I got the blade and I got the ear, but where's the wheat? Okay. And so uh, I wind up having a, back then we didn't have DFW, you had to go to Love Field. And I'd, I'd have to, if I couldn't drive to get there, I'd have to go to Love Field, fly Braniff or Southwest or something and get there. And then somebody pick me up and take me to the meeting. But every time I got on a Braniff airplane or a Southwest airplane or even Ozark or some of those other puddle jumpers back then, you know, I would walk through the door and say, I am not moved by this. I, own, I have my own airplane. And a lot of times the flight attendant said, uh, don't give him anything to drink. Just have him, you know. They didn't know what I was doing. But faith without corresponding action is void of power. Amen. Amen. And so one day I'm invited to preach in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And along with me, the other speaker was Vicki Jameson. Anybody remember Vicki Jameson? What a precious lady. And her husband, Wes, were in that meeting. Wes was a pilot. And uh, uh, Vicki and I preached that meeting together. And then... Uh, we were both invited to go to Russellville, Arkansas after that. And she said, Jerry, won't you just fly with us? And so we flew over there in his little Cessna 310. And I'm sitting there and, and I'm getting the feel of this. I, I, I feel like the wheat's about to come up. I'm sitting in that airplane, you know, private aircraft. And, and I know I have the blade. I know I have the ear. Now I'm waiting for the full corn in the air, the wheat, the ripened wheat, the law of progression. And so we did that meeting and then they flew me back to uh, Hot Springs. And then I got on a flight and flew back here to Fort Worth. Shortly after that, uh, Fred Price and I were doing a meeting in Omaha, Nebraska. And uh, Betty came. And uh, Carolyn came. We're all four together there. And after the meeting was over with, uh, we all went to the airport in Omaha. And we said our goodbyes. And Fred and Betty are flying to L.A. And Carolyn and I are flying back here to Fort Worth. And so we're walking 
their, their terminal was this direction. Our terminal was this direction. And I'm walking toward my gate. And I just knew that I knew. I don't know how to explain it. I just knew that I knew that my airplane was about to manifest. I was so confident, I turned and shouted at Fred Price. There's lots of people in there. Fred! Fred! Hey, Fred! He turned around and said, what is it, brother? I said, I just want you to know my airplane's about to manifest. He said, I believe it, brother. <laughs> People in the airport's like a tennis match, listening to me and Fred. You know. We got home, and my office manager, who had the 10,000 hours flying time, picked me up at the airport, picked Carolyn up at the airport. He said, uh, you got a call today, and, and these people want you to meet them in Dallas to have dinner if possible. So we told them we could, and we had to stop at a service station for a payphone and call them and tell them we would be happy to meet them at this restaurant in Dallas. So we're sitting there, and uh, Wes and Vicky and Charles and Peggy Caps were there. And they, Vicky told us that Charles and Peggy had come to visit them that weekend and wanted to come to dinner with us. And so we're all sitting there. And Vicky says, Jerry, the reason we wanted to have dinner with you tonight is because God told us to give you our airplane. God told us to give you our airplane. First the blade, then the corn, then the full corn or the ripened corn. First the blade, then the corn. Then the full corn in the air. Progression. Amen. And then they proceeded to tell us how it all happened. They said, we were told by God to give you that airplane a year ago. But we still had debt on it. And God said, don't give it to him until you pay the debt off. And said, Charles and Peggy showed up. And uh, we were uh, uh, talking last night. And they said, uh, God told us to give Jerry Savelle our airplane. But we still owe $8,000 on it. And uh, it seemed like that's been the hardest $8,000 to get our hands on. But we know we need to get it into Jerry's ministry just as quick as we can. Charles looked at Peggy and Peggy looked at Charles. And Charles said, well, Peggy, uh, we, we just, from a crop, We've got $8,000 tithe money. Why don't we just give it to Vicky so they can pay the airplane off and give it to Jerry? And so they said, why don't you call him and tell him let's have dinner tomorrow night so we can give him the airplane. Now notice, I don't have a clue that all this is going on. I didn't know God had spoken to Wes and Vicky. I didn't know God had spoken to Charles and Peggy. I didn't know we was going to have dinner in Dallas. I didn't know the reason we were having dinner, even though we enjoyed the dinner, but it was for a manifestation of something I'd been believing for for a long time. Now, I've often thought, what if I had given up two weeks before? What if I just said, this stuff don't work? I may not have this testimony today. 
Now that was 10 debt-free airplanes ago. Amen. 10 debt-free airplanes ago. Now, for the clarification, don't walk out here and say, Brother Jerry owns 10 airplanes. No, I don't own 10 airplanes. I have owned 10 airplanes. We, we learn when we outgrow them, we sow them. Believe God for the next one. And praise God what I'm flying today. Woo, Jesus. We fly 42,000 feet nearly everywhere we go. 500 up to 600 miles an hour. Amen. Amen. What a blessing it is. And it'll take me anywhere in the world. Hallelujah. That's a long ways from my first airplane that would only fly about 15,000 feet. Notice the law of progression. Never, never despise small beginnings. I learned that from John Osteen. Brother Osteen told me years ago, Brother Jerry, I believe God is going to use you in a powerful way in the days ahead. But son, don't ever despise small beginnings. Everything begins small. And if you stay in faith, don't grow weary. Increase will be the result. Can you say amen? Amen. So that testimony was uh, uh, that, that, that lesson in, in faith still inspires me today. I'm still acting on those very same principles that I acted on then. Amen. So I want to encourage you today, if you haven't yet experienced the open hand of God, don't give up. Don't give up. God is faithful. It's not over. Don't throw in the towel, as they say. Do you remember the phrase, don't be weary in well-doing? What's the well-doing? Keep praising God. Keep sowing seed. Stay in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Keep speaking the word. Don't stop doing those things just because it looks like nothing's happening. Let the devil know that you are not a quitter. Be like... Those mentioned in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 39. We are not of them who draw back. The message translation says, we're not quitters. We'll stay with it. Trusting all the way. Doing these things guarantees you results. Amen. So don't become impatient. Don't throw in the towel. Don't quit coming to church. Come to church with a smile on your face, with a dance in your step. And if anybody wants to know, just tell them, we are on the verge of a major breakthrough. Hallelujah. We're on the verge of a major breakthrough. Can you say amen? Now remember, Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. The law of progression. Everything begins small. And then it grows and it increases. Psalm 37, verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. The steps of a good man. Notice it didn't say the leaps. The steps. And it's one step at a time. 
I remember one time I was, uh, it seemed like I'd waited and waited and waited and waited for a manifestation and in the natural it didn't look like anything's happening. And I happened to be with Brother Copeland that day, later that day. And, and I just mentioned to him that I asked him just to set himself in agreement with me for the manifestation of whatever it was, was I was believing for at that time. And then he said this. You know, Jerry, when, when it seems like my faith hits a wall, sometimes I have to back up and, and remember this verse. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He said, and I have to go back and ask myself, have I completed the last step God gave me? If I haven't completed the last step, then I can't go to the next step. Amen. Amen. He said, so you go back and just pray and, 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 and uh, think and remember, have you done the last thing God told you to do? And come to find out, I, I didn't. I hadn't done it. Not, not exactly the way the Lord said for me to do it. I'll give you an example. In the early days when I was still working for Brother Copeland, uh, and I'm driving his station wagon to all these places around the country with his sound system in the back and what few reel-to-reel tapes we had back then. He and Gloria are flying in that uh, <clears throat> 310 that they had believed for. So I would, they, I would meet them there, pick them up at the airport, have the meeting all set up, get the hotel ready. And <clears throat> I'm packing and getting ready to leave. And the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to send uh, another preacher uh, that lived in Arlington. His name was Joe Nay. I don't know if any of you remember Joe Nay. Joe was a, a, a very wonderful man of God. And the Lord said, send Joe Nay a certain amount of money. And back then, we didn't have much money. And he said, send Joe Nay this amount of money before you leave town. He needs it. So I said, Lord, as soon as I get through packing, uh, I, will, I will go in and, and write a note and put that money in the envelope and mail it to him. Well, I got busy packing, said goodbye to my family, and took off. And I got all the way to Texarkana. And I was going to spend the night there. And I didn't do what the Lord told me to do. And I, I got ready to go to bed. And he said, I told you to send that money to Joe Nay. I said, Lord, I forgot about that. I got so busy packing. And, and, and I said, I'll, I'll write a note in the morning and put the money in the envelope, take it down to the front desk and ask them to mail it for me. Well, I got up the next morning I ate my breakfast, I loaded the car again, and then I took off. And on the way, uh, all the way up to, I'm going to Portsmouth, Virginia. And all the way up there, on the way up there, the Lord said, you didn't send that money to Joe Nate. I said, Lord, I can't believe I forgot it again. He said, I'll send it to him when I get to Portsmouth. And then the Lord said, just forget it. He needed it when I told you to send it. By the time he gets it now, it'll be too late. Then he said this. The next time you need an immediate need met, since you set this in motion, 
I'll probably call on somebody who procrastinates just like you. No, Lord. Not so, Lord. (laughs) Don't do that. Don't don't call on anybody who acts like me. (laughs) I called Jonah and I said, Joe, and I told him what had happened. I said, I am so sorry. Forgive me. And I, and I, I pray that you got the money on time. And as soon as I get home, since God is the God of more than enough, I'll bring you the money I should have sent you. He said, that's fine. God met the need. I said, well, now you got some extra praise God. Amen. See, I hadn't completed the first, that last step. And I'm believing God for this, that, and the other. And I hadn't completed the first step yet. Am I ringing a bell in here? Stop and think, what's the last thing God told you to do? And then ask yourself, have I done it? It's not the leaps, it's the steps. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 133, order my steps. The word order means give direction or instructions. Prescribe and arrange my steps. Each step taken in faith is a step of advancement. God never wants us going backwards in our lives. It's always go forward. Why? Because he is the God of progression. The Apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 1 verse 10, That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. Now, that's God's best. He wants us to be fruitful in every good work. The word fruitful means very productive, abounding, ever increasing. Being fruitful in every good work. It's never his will, win a few, lose a few. He wants us to win every time. He wants us to be fruitful in everything that we do. Successful, productive, increasing. Amen. Psalm 115 verse 14. The Lord shall increase you more and more. Notice that's progressive. More and more. More and more doesn't happen all at once. You increase. You stay in faith. Keep doing the things you know to do. And more and more increase come. And then more and more increase come. More and more increase come. Hallelujah. I, I, I enjoy every time, usually in January somewhere between January and April when we have our board meeting, I enjoy going back to my very first board meeting and looking at the minutes and looking at what it took for this ministry to be sustained for one year. And we share that with our board of directors and and so forth. And I go back and look at our very first board meeting and what it took for this ministry to operate on. I can't even open the doors for a day for what we could run the ministry on for a year back then. Why? Increase. Increase. And it wasn't overnight. Somebody said, boy, it looks like your ministry just just grew overnight. Yeah, but that overnight was 50 years long. <laughs> huh? Yeah, we're, we're increasing big time. And I, I still believe we're increased, so we can do more, praise God. But I know the Bible says it's more and more. That's progressive. Doesn't all happen at one time. Amen. And then notice 
if you will, in that same verse, it starts out with, the Lord hath been mindful of you. He will bless you. He will bless uh, covenant people, house of Aaron and so forth, covenant people. And then it goes on to say, and he will bless you and increase you more and more, you and your children. You are blessed to the Lord who made heaven and earth. Have, has, is there anybody in here has already received all the blessings that God had for you? Has anybody already received all the blessings that God has in store for you? <clears throat> has anybody been blessed at all? Yes. Has anybody, is anybody able to say, I'm blessed more today than I was 10 years ago? Yes. Will anybody say, I'm going to be blessed more by the end of this year than I am right now? Yes. It's more and more. It's more and more. It's more and more. It's the law of progression. And when you understand the law of progression, then you don't get frustrated. You, 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 don't, you don't have to battle the temptation of giving up like you used to before you learned this law. Amen. Giving up is not an option. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen. Now, very quickly. Um, Jeremiah chapter I mean, uh, Ezekiel chapter 36 and verse 11, God says, I will do better unto you than at your beginnings, and you shall know that I am the Lord. I will do better unto you than at your beginnings. Why? Because he's the God of progression. In... uh, Psalm 107, verse 38, from the message translation, speaking of the children of Israel, the psalmist says, he blessed them and they prospered greatly. They prospered greatly. And it didn't say overnight. In in the story of of, uh, Isaac sowing in famine in Genesis chapter 26, it says the man sowed, where God told him to sow and God blessed him and the man and the Bible says, and the man waxed great and, and waxed great means he kept increasing more and more. One translation says he got richer by the day until he became wealthy and distinguished by the day. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. The law of progression. Can somebody say amen? Amen. Now go with me to the book of Hebrews very quickly. Hebrews chapter 6. Are you receiving today? In verse 13, talking about God making covenant with Abraham. For when God made promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no greater, he swore by himself, saying, surely... Blessing, I will bless thee, and multiplying, I will multiply thee. And so after he had patiently endured. Now, if you underlined or highlighted any of those verses up to now, make sure you do that one too. After, everybody say after. After he patiently endured, he obtained the promise. After he patiently endured, he obtained the promise. 
Now, in verse 14, saying, Surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. The message translation says, God said to him, I promise that I will bless you with everything I have. Bless and bless and bless. I promise you that I will bless you with everything I have. Bless and bless and bless. Did all of that happen to Abraham all at one time? No, it didn't. But eventually the Bible gives this testimony of Abraham. He increased in every year of his life. Abraham was extremely blessed. Abraham became extremely distinguished and wealthy. Amen. But it didn't happen overnight. But God blessed and blessed and blessed. Can you say amen? Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm in position right now for God to bless and bless and bless. Look at somebody else and tell them, I'm in position right now for God to bless and bless and bless. Amen. It's the law of progression. Now, go back with me to Mark chapter 8 very quickly. Mark chapter 8. It's wonderful when we have instant manifestations. I love it. But it doesn't always happen that way. If it didn't, we wouldn't have to stand. If it, if it didn't, then Paul would have never had to mention, don't grow weary. I've had a lot of instant manifestations, particularly when I'm praying for people's healing and deliverance. Joe and I have seen miracles all over the world. Instant miracles. But they don't all happen that way. I learned this from Oral Roberts years ago. He would tell people when he got ready to pray for them, he said, Jesus said, if any two of us agree. And he said, now I'm going to pray for you. And regardless of what happens, I'm not coming out of agreement. And if you'll stay in agreement, it'll happen. Praise God. Amen. Now, let's look at an example here of progression. Uh, Let's see. Mark chapter 8. I'm still in Mark chapter 4. Where is my verse? Somebody took that right out of my Bible while I was preaching. Oh, here it is. Verse 22. Look at the law of progression. Now, if you believe in God for healing, a miracle in your health, hang on to this verse. And he cometh to Bethsaida, and they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, led him out of town, and when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up and said, I see men as trees walking. After that. After that. So notice the manifestation didn't come immediately. You might say he saw men as trees walking was the blade. It had begun. It had begun. 
the miracle is in process. Okay? I see men as trees walking. After that, he put his hands again, again upon his eyes and made him look up and he was restored and saw every man clearly. So notice it was progressive. Now, Vic is a good example of this. Vic, uh, it just blessed me to see you in here this morning because I hadn't seen you in a while. I saw you walking in here differently than the last time I saw you. Not only that, I, I saw you had that cane, but I also saw you come up here without that cane and praising God. and My, 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 you know. His miracle has been progressive. And God's not done yet. Amen. I received that. God's not done yet. I received it. Oh, hallelujah. And your best days are not behind you. They're just ahead of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. It's, it's been progressive. Now, can I ask you a question? And If you don't want to answer it, you don't have to. Did you ever feel like giving up? I did. You did. I did. What kept you going? The word of God. I rest my case. The word of God. It, it's not a sin to feel like giving up. It would be if you gave up. Because <laughs> you know better. You don't go to some church that preaches a religious tradition. I leaned over to Carl and I said, or to Carolyn and I said, I wonder if the Baptists who used to own this building never had a service like we had this morning in the praise and worship with all that energy in here. You know, you don't go to a church where the word's not taught. You don't go to a church that, that, you know, tell you, well, if it be the will of God. You go to a church that teaches you how to live by faith and how to be a winner in life. Hallelujah. For me to give up would be a sin. Not after what I've seen God do for 53 years now. It would be an outright sin for Jerry Savelle to give up. Because God has never let me down. Now, I might say, if I had been him, I would have made some things happen sooner. (laughs) (laughs) But they did happen. And that's the bottom line. Like John Avanzini said one time when he first started in the ministry, he and Pat had an old car that was absolutely worn out. Worn out. I could identify. And he said, and he prayed and asked God to give him a better car. And he said, it just looked like it was never going to happen. He said, Lord, I got to have a better car. Are you hearing me, Lord? I need a better car. And finally he got so desperate one day, he said, God, if you own this old car, I'd get one for you. (laughs) Well, sometimes we we get a little weary in well-doing, but just keep doing well. Amen? Just keep doing well. Some of you right now maybe didn't even realize it until you heard the sermon this morning. You're thinking, hey, the blade has come up. The blade has come up. Maybe you haven't experienced the, the, the fullness of the open hand of God. With supernatural, extraordinary, unusual provision. But maybe there has been a manifestation of a financial breakthrough. It may not have been totally met your need, 
But God was showing you, I'm hearing you. I know where you are. I'm working behind the scenes. The blade has come up. Now get ready for the, for the corn. Amen. And after that, the full corn in the ear, praise God. It's the law of progression. Somebody give the Lord a shout if you believe it. Praise God. Amen. Let me close it with this. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 9, it says, And the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thine hand. In every work of thine hand. Now, is there anybody in here that can say, you've already completed every work of your hand? You mean there might be some more to do? But notice he says, the Lord will make thee plenteous in every work of thine hand. So I haven't, I haven't experienced all the plenteousness that I'm going to experience because I'm not through working my hands. I'm not through doing my job. Amen. Now the message translation says, he will give you a good life. God, your God will outdo himself in making things go well for you. God, your God will outdo himself in making things go well for you. Hallelujah. Can anybody in here say, God's already doing that. He's outdoing himself. Carol and I have said that recently with things that have been happening. We we just think, dear Lord, God is outdoing himself. Hallelujah. Oh, we're so glad we've stayed in faith all these years. We're so glad, praise God, that that, uh, we didn't give up in those hard times when we were barely getting by. When we were living in a little house in Fort Worth that uh, we moved in just before they condemned it, we didn't give up. We didn't give up when I was walking the streets looking for Coke bottles to trade in to get milk for my babies. We didn't give up. We didn't give up. Amen. We didn't give up when the engine blew up in the car and didn't have any way to get around. We didn't give up. Hallelujah. 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 And baby, look at us now. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. It's the law of progression. So don't give up. It's on its way. Just stay in faith. Keep sowing. Keep praying. Keep fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. Keep coming to church. Amen. Amen. Stay in fellowship with those of like precious faith. These are, these are those things that the Bible is referring to as doing good or, or continue in doing good or well doing. Just keep doing the things you know to do. And it's going to pay off big time. Stand to your feet, if you will, please. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Reach over and join hands with somebody next to you. Father, I've delivered your word this morning. And I pray in Jesus' name that every heart was receptive. Every heart was good ground to receive revelation. And I believe in Jesus' name 
that your word is not going to return void. It will accomplish that which you please. I pray in the name of Jesus that everyone who heard it will not be hearers only, but doers of the word. And you promise they will be blessed in their deeds. In the name of Jesus, I pray and continue to stand with those who said earlier they were still waiting for the manifestation of the open hand of God. I stay in faith with them. I agree with them in Jesus' name that it's not over yet. God is still working behind the scenes and a miracle breakthrough is on its way. You're the God of surprises. You're the God who is famous for unexpected great things manifesting in our lives. So we give you praise today and we thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. So go ahead and give the Lord your absolute best shout. Praise God.